Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Grimaldi here. Welcome. This is Street Talk Theology, where we take theology and we bring it to the streets. Just checking in on you guys, hoping things are well. I am flying solo today. Uh, got a couple of things. Well, I really got one thing that I was thinking about that I wanted to discuss with you guys, if I may. It's always an honor to be here, even though I'm, uh, again, like I'm flying solo, but that that's cool. Um, Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail, any theological questions? Anything you guys want to ask or talk about, discuss, I'm open for discussion. Again, Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail. Um, We want to thank, obviously, again, for the Christian podcast community for giving us a chance to be on with them. I think there's only 45 broadcasters on there. I know Mr. Andrew Rappaport is very picky and, and, and they're bored of who they put on, so it's an honor to be part of that community, so we're thankful for them. Hopefully we can represent well here in Casa Grande, Arizona, Desert Sky Baptist Church. You know here, I mentioned many times, if you're new to the area and don't have a church, uh, Desert Sky Baptist Church, you can find this on 891 Quartzen, or you can just uh, look up Desert Sky Baptist Church, and we have an extensive um, website with all our doctrines on there, and you know, so you're not fooled by anything, we're not, we're very succinct in what we believe, so uh, by God's grace, we want to, um, our job here in Casa Grande is to bring souls to Christ through the proper exegesis and hermeneutic of his word, Uh, no gimmicks, we don't have any gimmicks here, uh, but we do preach and teach God's holy word, hopefully and prayerfully, rightly through the Spirit. And with that being said, I I was thinking today, I I teach in Lagos Christian Academy, I teach eighth graders, which can be challenging. And the last few weeks I was uh, teaching on the epistle of James uh, to the eighth graders. And and you know, these eighth, eighth graders can be times a little all over the map, and they're at that point in life where they're debating on where they want to go with their life, you know, being a Christian in, in this world. Hopefully and prayerfully, all the students there are born again by grace. Uh, but they're in that, that kind of middle of life, even though they're kind of on the young side, they grow up pretty quick. But anyway, we've been talking about and discussing the epistle uh, to James, uh, which is, uh, as we know, a very early epistle could have been very could have been one of the earliest epistles in the New Testament, and it's wisdom literature. It's kind of a disjointed um, text. It's hard to follow context in the epistle to James. In fact, some scholars call it, like I said, wisdom literature, but it calls them almost like the New Testament Proverbs, you know, Proverbs of the New Testament. 
Um, but but I was thinking about, you know, sharing with you guys a couple of challenges in the Epistle to James. Um, again, it's an early book, and and you know, it talks about being a double-minded man, and it's it's written to, you know, James calls the the writing to the twelve tribes. Uh, basically, I I think. We look at that, he's writing to Jewish Christians very early on and challenging their their faith, you know, over against uh, Abraham. We know that salvation is a work of God. We're passive in salvation. Uh, we are dead in our trespasses and sin. We have to be made alive. It's uh, my um, reasoning for that or my... Uh, example of that is you're in the bottom of a well, dead, and somebody throws a rope. Unless you're made alive, you can't grab that rope. So uh, I believe that salvation, when someone, is, when someone is gifted salvation, they are dead, they are passive. That's an active work of God. And then if you read James, and that, that would be Pauline teaching, right? You know, dead in your trespasses and sin. Um, have to be born again, have to be brought, made alive. Jesus told Nicodemus, uh, the wind goes where it goes. You don't know how the spirit operates. It makes people alive, um, actually brings people from the dead to the born again experience. And then James kind of agrees with that, I, I believe, obviously. But then he goes on to say, you know, we have to be doers of, of the word, not only here is it the word. So there's some challenging um, implements or challenging uh, implementations of, of theology in, in James. It's kind of disjointed. It doesn't really follow a, a context. But there's an interesting, there's an interesting verse that's, that's uh, scholarship that has, has, has had some debate about. Uh, Douglas Moo has written a, a fine commentary. I think it's from the Pillar Commentary series on James. And I got some ideas from him or the debate from him. And um, just this one verse. But again, context is tough. But we got to, when we deal with this one verse, that, that's my plight today, dealing with this one verse, we have to kind of go a little bit around other verses around it to try to decipher what it may mean. Now, the verse is in the first chapter of James, and it's the 18th verse, uh, first chapter, first division of James, 18th verse says, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. So the debate here. Is, is, is this a creation of human beings or is it a redemptive work or the born-again experience? So that would be the challenge. Is he speaking here in verse 18 about the creation of human beings or the redemptive work of the born-again experience? Now, I believe that it's redemptive work and... and, and and again, uh, there's, there's arguments on both sides. But, I, I, you know, if you look at 
and again, I, you got to be careful with context in, in the epistle to James because he's kind of disjointed, kind of a little over the map. Kind of it's like Proverbs of the New Testament, like I mentioned. So it's more wisdom literature. But I think that if you look at it where it where just a couple of verses in front of, of what I just read, every good thing given and every perfect gift from above coming down from the Father of lights, which whom there is no shifting shadow and no variation. You know, God never changes. And then it says in the exercise of his will, he's brought us forth by the word of truth so that we could be kind of first fruits among his creatures. So this here for me sounds like a redemptive work and it sounds like a sovereign work of God. This would agree with Pauline theology where God brings us forth by his word, by his word, and we become first fruits. In fact, if you go down to verse 21, it says, therefore laying aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in gentleness, receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And then James goes on to his colloquy that he's mainly interested in to be doers of the word and not merely hearers of the word. So I think that if, I, if I'm looking at this text rightly, this actually agrees with Pauline theology, where you're, you're passive in God's redemptive work. It's a work of God. It's not a work of man. But if that's true in your life, you must work out what's been worked in. And I say this all the time, it's not that you have to, you get to. And James here is challenging because he's speaking to Christians. And I think he's actually saying, you were born passively. You were born, you were brought forth by the word of truth to become first fruits among the people of God. And you know, he's got this Old Testament language sprinkled in. In fact, he calls the Jewish believers the 12 tribes in dispersion, scattered abroad. And we know at this time there were not 12 tribes. They were not, um, you know, really operating like they were in the Old Testament, so to speak. So I, 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 I land on the, on the premise here that James is speaking about the sovereign work of the Spirit, the born-again experience, but then the challenge is, if you are that, if you are born again, how you're living. And that's the challenge in, in the epistle to James, where a lot of times uh, Paul will deal, uh, I don't want to say a lot of times, well, more times than not, uh, dealing with Gentile Christians, he speaks a lot of the uh, soteriology, the 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 born again experience, where it's a work of God, it's God's sovereign work in salvation. It's nothing you do. Again, dead at the bottom of a well, throw a rope. Unless you're made alive, you can't grab that rope. Um, so I so I think James here where people will say, well, in fact, Luther had said that, man, he 
um, I think he called James in uh, an epistle of straw, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I don't want to quote Luther wrongly there, but but he had a, a tough time with the epistle to James. But I think on a closer reading of James, I think he he agrees, obviously, and, and of course he agrees with Pauline theology. And if, I'll tell you what, if you read Ephesians, the first three chapters of Ephesians written, um, as most scholars believe, by Paul, if you read Ephesians, you see the first three chapters are all about a sovereign work of God in predestination and, and God's redemptive work for his people. And then chapter 4, you start seeing the word, the Greek word peritome, walk. You know, walk worthy of your calling. If you're truly a people of God, then you need to walk worthy of your calling. And, and there, Paul, is very challenging in the epistle to the Ephesians. And so I, I think that what we see here is James being just as challenging if you truly are a Christian, if you've truly been brought forth by the word of truth, then should, you should live that way. And that's always the challenge. You know, um, being reformed in, 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 in my theology by God's grace, that does not take away from our human responsibility to live as we've been created to live. By God's grace, through His Spirit. We are dead, we are made alive, but now we must walk in that, let me use the word, new creature, being a new creature. We have to walk in that being a new creature. Peritome, walk in the things of God. And this is where the, uh, the epistle of James gets challenging. If anyone thinks himself to be a religious, not, while not bridling his tongue, tongue but deceiving his own heart, the man's religion is worthless. You know, so there's a, a movement here, and it's not works righteousness. I, I remember Gordon Fee many years ago said, you don't have to, you get to. I mean, God sovereignly saves you. Works don't save you, but according to Ephesians 2, you're created as a workmanship of Christ Jesus. So works actually show that you've truly been born again. They don't they can't make you born again. No work can make you born again. Only God in Christ and his sovereignty in his redemptive work, while you were dead, he makes you alive. And then obviously, when you're made alive, you get to get involved in the things of God. Working out your salvation with fear and trembling, but, is God, but it is God who works in you to do his good pleasure. This is a sovereign work of God, the born-again experience. And the challenges are we truly where we need to be is shown by our fruits. A man is known by his fruits. The fruits don't save you. The fruits show that you're saved. Now, you may think this is um, an elementary teaching, and it is. You know, we should know these things. But I'm going to tell you something. We need to be reminded of the gospel. 
The gospel is a living and active. It's living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. And then we, 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 are, we would be remiss if we are not reminded of this great sovereign work that God has done in our life for which we do not deserve. And it is through this sovereign work that we need to live our lives according to the scriptures. That's the more challenging part. That's the more challenging part. Pure and undefiled religion, James says, before our God and Father is this, visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world. You know, Spurgeon says it's that sovereignty and responsibility. They're antinomies. They run parallel. Obviously, God is sovereign. Man is responsible. And again, let me reiterate, the sovereign work of God is the only thing that can save you. You are dead. You need to be made alive. But when you are made alive, my prayer for me first, you second, is that we walk that we walk worthy of our calling, as Paul tells us. It's not a works righteousness, no way. You're doing it because you were made righteous. You were dead. God in his kindness, as James says, in the exercise of his will, brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be kind of first fruits among his creatures. So I do not think this speaks of just the creation of human beings, so to speak, but God's redemptive work, the born-again experience, the perfect gift, the implanted word that's able to save your soul. And I think that, again, as, you know, kind of wrapping this up a little bit, it's important to realize and to remember how kind God is how kind he has been in our lives as believers, as Christians. We deserve nothing but hell. And here we become, by his grace, first fruits. And that is a blessing. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. He owes us absolutely nothing. Zero. Less than zero. All of us deserve hell. We know that. The Bible teaches us that. That's our default position. In the world today, everybody's default position is heaven. No, that's not the case. Our default position is hell. It's only by God's grace, through His redemptive work, through the Spirit, that we're made alive in Christ. Oh, I know this, Pastor Dominic. Yes, I know you know it if you're a believer. But we need to be reminded of how kind God is, of how good God is, and how we deserve absolutely nothing. And it's when we think about these things, when we muse on them, so to speak, it has us appreciate this great work in salvation. 
So again, in, in reading um, the epistle to James, you know, it's his thing is faith without works is dead. But he's telling you that if somebody is truly saved, they need to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. That's all he's saying. Same thing Paul says. No different. Sovereign work of the Spirit. You're born again if I believe I'm reading 1 and 18 right. But then, human responsibility, autonomies, they're both in the Bible. But again, we want to be careful. Works don't save you. Never can save you. Never in a million years can save you. But they show you're saved. They show you're saved. And that salvation is a sovereign work of God. Nothing you do, you can say 50 million prayers, I'll walk 40 million aisles. Unless God opens up your heart, unless you have a heart change, you cannot be born again. This is what puzzled Nicodemus. What do I got to do, Lord? Go back into my mother's womb? No, the Lord says that the Spirit wills where it goes, and, and that's how everyone's born in the Spirit. So if you're a Christian today, you need to, I need to thank God for His sovereign work. And then you don't have to, but you get to involve yourself by His Spirit in the kingdom of God, in kingdom living, to be a witness to be a testimony, to be a living sacrifice unto the Lord, holy and blameless by God's grace. He's a good God. You have to realize that he's a good God. He owes you absolutely nothing. We owe him absolutely everything. And sometimes we just need to hear it. We need to hear the gospel. And you know what? If you don't think you need to hear the gospel? I'll just keep playing this over and over to me because I need to hear it. I met with someone last night telling me that, you know, when they first received salvation by grace, it was just a great, great mindset. Their, their hearts and minds were changed. But then their concern was, Man, I, I kind of feel ho-hum, you know, a little stagnant. So you know what I did? We spoke about the gospel again. We spoke about the sovereign work of God. Bring them in remembrance, Peter says. So that's my plight today on Street Talk Theology, to bring you in remembrance of what God has did, done in your life, to be thankful to be prayerful, to be mindful, to know that he's a good God, a God in Christ that we do not deserve. I know I'm on a little bit of a rant, but I just want you brothers and sisters to know how kind God is. And you might be saying, Pastor Dominic, I know. Well, you know what? Praise the Lord. But it's good to be reminded. And you know what? This is Street Talk Theology. This is Pastor Dominic Romaldi, where I take theology and I bring it right down into the streets. 
In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org. Thank you.